Hello and a very warm welcome to the Rightcast, everyone. This is your host, Zach Moore of the Space Cowboys. And today we have an extra special edition of the podcast queued up for you. The Plump DJs are here with a Ripecast exclusive mix. You're also going to hear from Lee Rouse of the Plump DJs. Lee took some time away from the Plump's North American tour to indulge us in a pretty lengthy Q&A, actually. You can listen to that interview in the second half of this episode. And, oh, by the way, thanks to Seismic, you can catch the Plump DJs here in San Francisco this coming Friday, November the 12th at Mighty. Sharing the bill with the Plumps are Seismic residents Murfstar, Trab, and Samira. Fellow Space Cowboys Captain Kirk, Man Cub, and Schistler will be there too. Along with Opal's Sid Griss, Melissa, Deckstocker, and Drew Drop of Opulent Temple. Tickets are on sale right now at eventbrite.com or seismicsf.org. And if you enter the promo code RightCast, you'll get a 20% discount on the price of admission. Pre-sales are going fast, so make sure you visit eventbrite.com or seismicsf.org to get your tickets today. And now this RightCast exclusive mix from the Plump DJs.
pumping the junkets in my mind. Shoulders are half up, but yours is a full climb. You're making me dizzy pumping the junkets in my mind. Shoulders are half up, but yours is a full climb. You're making me dizzy pumping the junkets in my mind. Shoulders are half up, but yours is a full climb. You're making me dizzy pumping the junkets in my mind. Shoulders are half up, but yours is a full climb. You're making me dizzy pumping the junkets in my mind. Shoulders are half up, but yours is a full climb. You're making me dizzy pumping the junkets in my mind. Shoulders are half up, but yours is a full climb. You're making me dizzy pumping the junkets in my mind. Shoulders are half up, but yours is a full climb. You're making me dizzy. Shoulders are half step, but yours is a full climb. You're making me dizzy, pumping and jumping to my mind. Shoulders are half step, but yours is a full climb. You're making me dizzy, pumping and jumping to my mind. Shoulders are half step, but yours is a full climb. You're making me dizzy, pumping and jumping to my mind. Shoulders are half step, but yours is a full climb. You're making me dizzy, pumping and jumping to my mind. Shoulders are half step, but yours is a full climb. You're making me dizzy, pumping and jumping to my mind. Shoulders are half step, but yours is a full climb. You're making me dizzy, pumping and jumping to my mind. Shoulders are half step, but yours is a full climb. You're making me dizzy, 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 dizzy,
little things. Peace.
shoot all red polka dots.
All right, uh, this is Brad Murphy here with Seismic, talking to Lee Roos from the Plump DJs. I'm joined by Zach Moore from the Space Cowboys. And Lee, we just wanted to ask you some questions as we're getting ready to post your exclusive mix on the Ripecast. How are you doing today? Cool. Excellent. Really good. Uh, just to set the stage, where does this call find you? Um, in my hotel in Calgary, um, looking out I'm about 15 floors up. I've got a great view. And my head's in a good space too. Nice. So you are. Well, it's good that your head's in a good space. We like that. Uh, we. Uh, so you're on another tour, and, and actually, that's kind of one of the first questions I wanted to dive into because obviously, with uh, the U.S. in particular, but North America being somewhat elusive in your tour dates for the last ten years. Now that you had a few U.S. tours under your belt, what can you tell us about your experiences here in the states specifically? Um, been extremely varied. Um, we've obviously, as you've rightly pointed out not been able to get over here uh, for many years and our music's been supported supported over here for that that period um what over the last 10 years as artists we've, we've developed and been been uh, you know performing at various events all around the world but unfortunately not in canada so much not in america at all and um it's it's really interesting the crowds we're um fortunately uh, receiving when we when we come out to play are, are very varied you know people that maybe bought some of our first tunes some 10 years ago and, and, and some people that are now into you know our various um, developed stages along the way so that's a, kind of a lead up to the next question and how do the fans react here versus new material uh, to old material and knowing that again in the states in particular a lot of pent-up demand for the pumps do you see uh, do you see different reactions to new versus old material yeah well I think when we first started coming out so well first it sounds like a long time ago but you know, maybe at the end of last year, um, we we were playing basically similar set to what we were playing in, um, in in England and Europe. But we've sort of got to grips with the fact that there's a much very more you know we've got a very uh, more very cross section of appreciation out here in Canada and and the US. So we're mixing up a little bit more, playing a few um, a few of our older tracks, maybe a few of our older sort of more well-known tunes from the past as well, mixing it up. But a lot of those tunes. You know, hard to weave into the set nowadays. The tempo that we're playing at has changed slightly, and the sensibilities in in um, the sort of dance music that we enjoy have changed over the years too. So we're having to re-edit some of our old tracks and and remix some of them as well. So that's been an exciting process in itself. Nice. And now this last question, and this well, in this first series of three, is a bit of a loaded question, but I do want you to answer openly and honestly. Uh, okay. Of the U.S. Uh, cities and visits, any cities or events that really stand out for you? 
Um, this is going to sound like I'm completely uh, um, sort of just saying it for your benefit, but it is definitely San Francisco's been our number one town to play in, and definitely at um, um, Mighty and, and at the other event we've played in San Fran have been been up there in the top, you know, three or four four gigs we've had in the states since we've been over. I think um, I think we've we've had some great crowds as well in Canada, um, and we've also had had some good small and large events elsewhere in America but um, you know I definitely think our, our, our show isn't mighty and I think possibly um, Coachella as well have uh, been the best sets we've had in, in the States definitely absolutely yeah Coachella is a unique environment that's great that you guys were able to kind of get over here on your debut tour for that so that's fantastic mm. Uh, and again, you can, you can check that out on, on YouTube it's pretty obscene set to be honest in, <laughs> indeed indeed uh, so a couple questions now about the label in particular. Now that you guys are running your own, la own label, um, what's the vetting process? Just because you're producing and distributing yourself, how much has that changed for you in the last few years? Um, well, we've been long-term residents at Fabric and long-term um, artists on the finger-licking label. And, you know, we've had a lot of success with, with both uh, teams. Um, but, you know, we've, we've really wanted to sort of branch out and forge a bit of a new thing for ourselves and setting up our own label and um, seems to be one way forward for that and, and also you know now we're going to start our own night in London as well so I think that's going to allow us to um, be more creative surround ourselves with um, artists that we want to surround ourselves with with a little bit more control and um, you know really try and push something new um, for the foreseeable future yeah. so and so with that then are you guys doing more in studio production or are you doing a fair bit of kind of producing and testing as you go where you'll play around with something in the studio yeah. put it in front of a live crowd and, and kind of work with Andy and Pete that way yeah it's good I mean the, the, the label's going to allow us to well it has already allowed us to produce under pseudonyms and which means we can branch out in terms of our production have slightly more freedom and, and then when we release stuff um, you know you know things that things that the music's looked at purely on the, on the you know on the value of the music rather than the fact that maybe it's us making it so that's that's experimentally a, a nice thing for us but also on the label we've got acts that we've signed and and, and new artists we're trying to mature like bonzo cat and um dirty supercar and um and we're just about to sign a guy called maximilian from the uk nice. um so that's that's great news for us, and, and, and also we're getting people involved in the label, people doing mixes for us like AC Slater and uh, Punk Roller as well, and they're, they're doing remixes for us, so it's it's becoming a bit of a sort of, you know, an art house, I suppose it is now, or music art house, so that's great. Very cool. So, a couple questions, will be a little quick fire for you here, but take your time if you need to think them through. Uh, favorite Plumps track pre-2006? Uh, for me... Yeah. Um, scram, I think. Scram. It's just, um, you know, start to finish, just absolute dance floor explosion. I, I, and um, we've even heard people playing it at half speed um, in hip hop sets, which is, which is quite interesting. Is interesting. So I think that's sort of um, a standard uh, play anywhere. Get the, get the biggest reaction tune. Although it might not be my sort of uh, fave for my headphones. If you can. Well, it's definitely a floor pleaser for myself, and I know most of the San Francisco DJs that have been dropping your sound for a while. So what about favorite Plumps track post-2006? Post-2006? Um, I really like Systematic, actually. Um, I just think it was 
it was it came together really spontaneously in the studio, and we and I were communicating very well about it at the time. And sometimes it's like that you just you come up with an idea together, or, or you know you're communicating ideas to each other, and you just formulate a plan very quickly, and everything happens very fast. And it's, it's very exciting to be part of that process. It's so it's sort of it's like getting a, a I'm trying to think of an analogy. Maybe fl- skiing down a powdered powdered run that's never been on on before, and you know you're all filling in tune. It's it's a quite exhilarating experience, really. So that got to the dance floor very quickly, and we, we've had a lot of fun with that tune. The systematic is your powder eight, then I guess. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. Last one in, in this series. Then favorite track of all time, regardless of artist, whether it's you or somebody else. It doesn't have to be a dance track. That is really any, tough. Any track. I know. You can throw it out there. I'll give you three. That's- then give me top three. I'll give you, I'll give you my favourite sort of like spiritual tune. I think it's probably, um, probably Bare Necessities by the Jungle on it from the Jungle Book movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sort of thing that I'd like listen to as a little kid. That is fantastic. Um, and and then that stage song, I didn't really choose it. Just sort of, just sort of got me by the, by the soul and, and won't let, won't let me go. I think um, Superstition by. Um, Stevie Wonder is probably in my top three. And then I think Papua New Guinea, Future Sound of London is in my top three as well. So there's three very different tunes um, to go on. So you heard it here first, the Jungle Book remix coming from the Plumps out on their next album. Stay tuned. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> that one can't be touched. That's a complete classic. Actually, all three of those tunes, I wouldn't really like to see anyone do anything with. they just got to be left. Nice one. Uh, and then, you know, kind of on that note, over the years, what are the artists that have had the greatest influence on your style? Because you guys have, have really created a style back in the early 90s and have evolved that style. So I'd imagine there's a few uh, different artists and, and even just genres that have played a part on that. Yeah, well, Andy and I are very fortunate that um, we both had a similar musical history. Um, we both a similar age. Um, we got into hip-hop in the 80s. Um, following being sort of heavily influenced by the Motown rock and and the soul music that our parents to. Um, you still there? Yeah, yeah, we're here. Yeah, sorry, my phone's bleeping a bit. Um, and and then, you know, when we went to university, Andy and I got into sort of indie rock for a year or two and then and then fell in love with house music when when the explosion in dance happened in the in the, in the early 90s um, so we and then we met each other and, and then became inspired by those early hip-hop breaks and and wanted some dance music with more attitude and that's really what got us focused on the sort of new school breaks um, thing as it were so I think you know that's a bit of a history and, and I think our, our musical backgrounds really are, are, are the thing that keeps keep us together and keep us moving in the same direction nice one uh, and as far as uh, inspiring you the most these days, you get the same kind of core element, or there's who, who are some of the more modern DJs, perhaps that are that are uh, you guys are looking out there and, and finding inspiration, whether it's directly into your music or just uh, with some of the creativity that they're bringing to the table. Yeah, well, the, the explosion of new sort of micro genres and, and other genres that have, that have gone beyond that, uh, you know, is, is so inspiring to us, and we've we've always been, you know, had quite a eclectic head, shall we say? So you know. Acts coming through from the sort of bass house arena, like AC Slate is a prime example of that. Um, you know, acts like Punk Roller over in the UK, another good example of that. It's just inspirational sounds and, and new energy that that's coming forward that always uh, 
float sailboat. Nice one. Hey Andy, this is uh, uh, sorry, Lee. This is Zach Moore of the Space Cowboys. Uh, question for Hi, Zach. how you doing? Um, I'm curious to know, in your view, how has the advent of the MP3 changed the way that you run a label? How does the modern-day producer pro profit from his or her music? Well, we're, we're just, I mean, I used to work as a runner for Freskinova Records many years ago, so I've done all the sort of traditional working for a label job, jobs from sort of posting vinyl in, 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 in a <laughs> vinyl to, to send out to people and, and, and you know, making teas and then doing press and, and all that sort of thing and even doing a bit of international PR and sales stuff so I've got a basic understanding of the, the older sort of independent record label mm -hmm. setup but really the modern um, the modern setup is you know it's, it's ever changing and, and something we're just branching into so it's a bit of a voyage of discovery for us really so um, I mean the biggest thing for us at the moment is the fact that you're not selling records so we're just getting to grips with that um, because that that process used to be a, a massive fuel uh, to your creative flame, and it also used to help finance your um, your you know your creative output. So um, you know we're just getting strips with, with the new environment and and what's the best way to get our music out there and 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 what's the most efficient way for us. Mm. And uh, speaking of technology, uh, I'm curious to know what you think of the technology that's being used in DJ booths these days. Is it spawning more creativity or celebrating less talented DJs and producers? That's a big, a big, a big question. <laughs> um, well, we, we, we were one of the last sort of DJs really in, that we know of on, on the international scene to, to, to move to, to CDs, basically. And we've, we've stayed, we've, we've actually been reluctant to, to, to move on to using a, a laptop or a computer in that, that nightclub environment. I mean, I think maybe it's to do with our sort of that we like to keep things simple and and for us just the process of picking our CD and putting it in a machine is still sort of you know it makes us it has some correlation to how we we've, we've learned to DJ and, and we we want to keep that nice and simple we like we like having a drink while we're playing and you know looking at a computer screen with tiny little bits of text on it it does just doesn't really sort of correlate for us so we're a traditionalist at heart in that respect I think. The digital domain has meant that we're not pressing our acetates anymore, which was laborious, time-consuming, and expensive. And that was being producer DJs, and I mean, 30, 40 percent of our set is our own music. It used to cost us fortunes to just press acetates, you know, for one or two plays, and now we can just take that straight to the to the um, DJ environment. So um, things have changed, you know, for the better in that respect. And you know, now the clubs are set up to deal with digital sound, so the, the, the sound system sounds fantastic as well. You know, when that that transition first occurred, we were balancing CDs against vinyl and there was just a lot of confusion, but everything's streamlined now and, I, and I, I, I'm bewildered with the new technologies really that are available to the modern up-and-coming DJ, as many DJs are. So, um, uh, you know, it's, it's just finding your own thing and doing, doing it as well as you can, I think that's the key. So do you think it's spawning more creativity or celebrating less talented DJs? Do you think it's actually giving uh, giving folks the opportunity to get more creative or just allowing anybody that, with, a, with a laptop to get in the DJ booth? I think it's, yeah, I think it should push the goalposts. I mean, you're, um, you, you, there's this, you know, the traditions that, that I understood about DJing, i.e. the art of, art of mixing and blending and stuff are, are being sort of, diluted slightly because the computers are basically putting things in time for you but but really you know the 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 menu that you have as at your 
disposal uh, as a DJ now is far greater, so I, I would say it's definitely increasing the chance for people to be more creative, although some of the, the older sort of celebrated, um, what's the word, uh, routines or procedures that I, that I enjoy have, have been lost somewhat. I think that you know, the menu is much bigger, and that's always going to mean that people can be more creative. But will you ever get rid of your vinyl collection? No, I don't know why. <laughs> it's 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 just occupying a whole room in my house, and we just don't use the room at all now. But I think for sampling and inspiration, it's the the vinyl is just, and that room in my house is just perfect. And Andy's the same. We just you know go away, shut ourselves in that old room, listen to the, the tunes, and and just you know it's a great creative space to be in. I thought I find it. Um, you know, being slightly old school, find it quite hard to, to feel the same way about um, you know looking in front of my computer, and I don't I don't get that same uh, atmosphere. Well, a, a uh, an event that I still have in my the back of my head, but have not put together yet, is the seismic retrofit that will require us all to play vinyl tracks that we've had for at least five years. So hold on to them, and we'll have you back up on stage for one of those. Yeah, yeah I think it's good. There's there's, an, there's new artists coming through from from Europe that are doing basically vinyl only sets and not, not advertising on YouTube and, and not, um, not, not YouTube, not advertising on, um, on the internet and, uh, um, don't have websites and all that. And they're doing really, really well by it. So you never know. We might have a complete, a complete retro, uh, a more complete retro act coming out soon. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, Lee, you'd mentioned earlier up and comers and I'm wondering what advice you might impart to all the burgeoning DJs and producers out there. Um, I mentioned it sort of briefly already, um, but I, I mean, we have always our advice to people is always, you know, find your thing and just do it really well. Don't don't get caught up too much with technology. Um, the menu is massive, and it's sort of easy to think that you know, complicating things, you can get the best results. But you know, just find your find your tools, make sure you know how to use them really well, and then and then make them your own. Make your whatever you do specific to you, and then um, then you're on then you're on the right path. I think to a certain extent. Nice one. So, uh, you know, we're biased here, but we're definitely, you know, Clumps DJ's music considered classic music from start to finish, uh, old and new. <laughs> but the question that I have for you, how do you think your music will be appreciated in 20 years? Is it um, going to be a cult following, outdated antiques, influential classics, or potentially even forgotten altogether? It's hard to say. I mean, we're, we're going... Like we're not going to do anything else, you know. Me and Andy are on this path now. And we're, we're getting on so well. We've been working together for you know 10, 12 years. Um, so we're not going to do anything else for you know for the next 10 or 20 years. The reality is the people that are listening to our music primarily are going to be are, are generally young people in in the clubbing environment. Which you know, if you want to get specific, you're looking at 18 to you know 30 year olds. You know, most people when they get outside of that situation, maybe settle down. You know, they, they move out of that environment. Um, so I think if we're going to stay on top of, you know, doing our job well and trying to be creative, then we've got to move with the times and, you know, and, and really absorb ourselves in, in that environment regularly. So, you know, I think I think that people will that buy our tracks and, or, or dance to our music will, will always enjoy and really hopefully hold it to their hearts. But I don't know how, how relevant the music we're making now is going to be in, three or four years time because the environment has changed massively in that period does that make sense <laughs> it, it does make sense absolutely at the same time i think the same way you were influenced by you know some of the uh the uh, the early sounds that you mentioned earlier in this conversation uh, optimistically i think that a lot of what you guys have done has been groundbreaking and, and will have an effect on uh 
on the generation to come. My follow- yeah, definitely. I mean, even if we look at Scram as an example, I mean, for, for me, it's a, at the time it came out, it was so fresh. And, you know, we, we don't like to blow our own trumpets, but we've, we just knew it was a really, really fresh record. No one else was making anything like it. Um, but if you listen to it now, uh, with if you have the understanding of, of, of the modern genres that are out there and, and um, some of the stuff that's being done, you know, even Scram sounds dated and in some ways drags on a bit and... You know, it's. I think it was really of a time, and and I, that's that's the situation with dance music. You, you know, it's it's um, it's evolving so quickly that um, you know you have to you have to keep changing. I think to stay on top of it. Nice one. So this is a little bit of a follow-up question there, and this is in regards to what would be deemed popular dance music in 30 years' time. What's your reaction going to be? <laughs> is it... Uh, you, <laughs> you think you'll have I've a... Got bloody clue. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't expect to be here even when we started. You know, I didn't expect to be here when we started it sort of 12 years ago for a walk, started with plumps, you know, stuff. So I haven't even got a clue where it's going to be in three years, let alone 20. Nice one. Uh, and then just... Uh, you know, kind of when you guys were, were getting started, Big Beat was, was the sound du jour. I mean, it really was, you know, making waves that actually got me into electronic music. With music being cyclical, what do you think the chances are that something like Big Beat or some of the, uh, the early break sounds are going to start to come back in a, in a major force? Well, it, it, those sounds are, are sort of filtering back, you know, now with people using breaks and, and alternative rhythms in, in, in house music, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of some good examples, maybe Diplo and Hervé sometimes using old school breaks and loops with that rave sound. And, I, you know, I think, you know, parts, the, the ripples that, that that scene created, are, you know, still being felt um, in, in modern music. It's, those influences won't ever stop. But, you know, Breakbeat, if it does, or Big Beat, if it comes back, will probably be called something else and just be slightly different and... Maybe there'll there'll be slightly different fashion going on with it as well. So, um, yeah, I'm sure it will come back in some shape or form. Indeed. Uh, Lee, one last question for me. This is Zach again. Um, yep. There are many inquiring minds out here that would like to know, what would it take to get the plumps out to Burning Man? We've actually been invited. It's funny you should say this. A friend of ours, um, Mark Pember, meet Katie's, um, got in touch with Andy just before we came out and has invited us to come out and and perform out there. I don't know any more details than that, but um, at this stage, there, it seems to be there might be some interest. So if we can get those details down, um, you might see us out there this year. Indeed, uh, both of us would really love to go out there and play. So, um, it, it, I mean, we've been hearing the stories of Burning Man from everybody we know, really, and I think we're the last... It almost feels like we're the last people to get out there and do this amazing thing that the rest of the world seems to be doing at the moment. So... I want to get out there and experience it for myself, certainly. So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> I'm saying there's a bloody no, good know, chance next year, I think. That's, uh, a lot of people I, on this uh, I, on this broadcast will be eager to hear that, I'm sure. Well, I think, I mean, Andy's like like Mr. T with pl- getting on planes. He needs he, does, he doesn't fly very well, so we normally have to give him milk to, uh, <laughs> to get him to sleep on them. But um, <laughs> I think uh, getting interest from him about going out, going out there as well is, is, is probably... You know, we're, I'm, I'm definitely there, so I think you'll probably be seeing us at Burning Man, but watch your space. Great news. All right, Lee, well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, really excited to have you out here in San Francisco in a couple of days. Uh, That's okay. But thanks so much for all the really, you know, the really good questions and stuff. I'm sorry if I've, I've a, I have a habit to waffle a little bit, so if you could do me the courtesy of 
cutting out the biggest waffly moments. That'd be great. <laughs> indeed, indeed. One last time, boys and girls, you can catch the Plump DJs this coming Friday, November the 12th at Mighty here in San Francisco. Presale tickets are available at eventbrite.com or seismicsf.org. And make sure to use the promotional code RIPECAST to get 20% off your tickets. Finally, for more information on the Space Cowboys and our events, visit spacecowboys.org or visit the Space Cowboys fan page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. For the Space Cowboys, this is Zach Moore saying take care, and we'll see you next week on the RIPECAST.